You're a legend. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? The New Year's resolution is to get is to get past this part. I know. <laughs> Welcome to Zero Fucks Given. I'm Krista DeLuca. Joined with me today is Carson Block and Freddie Brick. How are you guys? Doing well despite being joined with you. <laughs> how, how was your uh, holiday? It was good. I ate myself into oblivion. Is that a thing? I can't even. That's that doesn't a thing. Even make, okay. Well, it's you can eat your way out of Houston, since you've talked about how oh, the, the women wow. in Houston are so thin, and that's and this true. is something that just never actually resonated as accurate or true, given that Houston is generally on. Let's the, talk about this. I feel like you haven't gotten enough sleep today. Today, to got us five hours. <laughs> no, you did less than that. Uh, you know what? Because I, I ate a fucking big dinner last night. That's like, what really happened to me. And I felt like wine. fucking. Yeah. You know what no, I mean? No, but it just. But that's why I woke up at four. Dude, despite... you know the real reason he's working. At, he's waking up at four. Why? So I'm reading the Daily Mail, and there's pictures of like Mark Wahlberg shirtless, like looking ripped as usual. Mm-hmm. And there's this whole thing that this guy wakes up at four. So I think Carson's realized, like, hey, I'm getting all these compliments about like you know looking oh, good. God. If I want to take this shit to the next level, I got to start waking up at four a.m. So well, I think that's the real reason he's waking up. So at four. yeah, there's well, there's something to that if you want to be next level at whatever. Um, okay. I Carson I listen. I listened to this audiobook um, mm-hmm. by a guy named David Goggins. It was published a few years ago. So a friend of mine came in town in October and said, it's fucking great, this amazing audiobook. Um, and the audiobook's better because in between chapters with ghost readers, ghost writers reading it, they do a podcast discussing each chapter. So the book is called Can't Hurt Me. Mm-hmm. And this guy, incredible life story. The first two to three chapters are really hard. Like he came from... You know, uh, Buffalo, New York, his father beat the shit out of him, his mother, his older brother. Um, I mean, just brutal. And so he and his mother left uh, when he was eight and he had learning disabilities as a result. Anyway, went into the Air Force, um, washed out. So 24 years old, he, he weighed 300 pounds and he's working as a nighttime exterminator for Ecolab, uh, cleaning out restaurants. And so it was like, the, his breaking point was this one night he went to clean this one restaurant out. I mean, the rat traps were full and he goes into the kitchen and hears some shit behind the walls and he thinks the rats are there and he moves ceiling tile and just gets covered in fucking cockroaches. Oh. And so he's like, fuck this, goes home, eats his dawn breakfast, you know, where he stuffs himself, a bunch of donuts and shit like that. And he, and then he's leaving to go see his mother. And wait, are we still talking about the book, or are we talking about Houston? <laughs> so, so so far, I mean, this is what I picture as like the Houston lifestyle. But Krista insists that it's like the it women who are like the women. They're not even this. They're like Kate Moss, apparently <laughs> there. But um, so anyway, he as he's on his way out the door, he starts watching this documentary about Navy SEALs. And he's like, shit, man, these are the hardest motherfuckers out there. Yep. Like, this is what I want to do. So he's almost too old to join the Navy as an enlistee because um, he's 24. And he has basically three months to make it. But he also has to lose 100 pounds within three months. And he does it. Like, all this stuff's been fact-checked. And he has to do... What's the, the name of the book again? Can't Hurt Me. Can't hurt and me. it's incredible. So it's, it's this whole thing is as he goes through... I actually just gave it to my wife for Christmas... The, uh, the written version. So 
So it's like one of these books. It's actually very profound. And if you listen to it while working out, it's one of these things where you're, Is that you're like you not going to stop because you feel like such a fucking pussy when you hear about him like, you know, running marathons on so broken feet, ultra marathons on broken feet. Do you listen to it as you were working out? Well, I did for a while, but then yes. it ended. So he just released <laughs> another one that I just started listening to yesterday. But anyway, one of the What's points that, that he makes... Um, Shit, actually, I just... Can't hurt me again? Find my my second book. Really can't hurt me. Yeah, I know, seriously. Um, It's like, I left a few bits out in the first one. But but anyway, this time he's famous now. So he's got like an intro by, you know, The Rock and uh, uh, Joe Rogan also. So this dude's like blown up in fame. And um, but anyway, um, he makes this point about getting up at 4 a.m. and just how it's this time when you can be super productive. So... Mm. And when I used to wake up at that time, I found that to be true. Um, does but the today same, was accidental. Does the same hold true for if you haven't gone to sleep yet? Is that like the same? <laughs> have, you, have you not gone to no, sleep? No, I have gone to sleep. I mean, you do you look think a little I could, tired. Oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, seriously, though, like, do you think it's the same thing? Like, if you were like that hardcore at raving and you were like, yeah, man, I'm just like not going to stop partying. I lacked myself, man. I'm hard. <laughs> Take this, Gorgon. I haven't been asleep yet, bitch. Just wrapping the clock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like that's the same productivity. Okay. And, yeah. uh, not the same what, level what of productivity. What does he say about going to bed at 8 o'clock, pussy? Is he just like, you know. Yeah, you have to, I'm sure he goes yeah. to bed early. How old is this guy? I bet he goes guy? to bed early. Well, he's questions. actually the, I think he's just about the exact same age I am. So okay. he retired from. So he's an old. He fuck. retired from the navy 45. just a few years ago. Mm. Yeah, like ish. Okay. So to put this all into context, though, you're older than I am. I'm I mean, a really. You, you got old a fucking fuck. five handle on that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to put this I'm all looking into context, fucking great. How are all, you going to relate to our demographics? So we learned that our key demographic is 25 to 34. But, I got to tell you, but there is the 60, attrition. but there is the 60 to 150 year old demographic <laughs> yeah. too. Right, I know, we, we and they that, we get reach this report. out to me. We get, <laughs> we get this report to clarify for people. We get this report and how well the channel's doing. And look, if any would be acquirers are out there, it's it's really hot. This media platform. This is our money maker and right it, here. It buckets all of them, including the sixty to one hundred and fifty bracket. Which I I always wonder why they got to stretch all the way there, right? I mean, is modern medicine that fucking good that the hundred and twenty year old who's listening to us is like, you know, you need to keep pumping me full of whatever it is because I need to keep listening to zeros. That that's what I'm hoping is pushing them on. I oh, I think the the intros make them feel a little <laughs> less bad about their dementia. Yes, it's <laughs> uh, but but back to Navy Seals. I remember you were once um, on a weekend away trip. Okay, I, I did, don't ever. I thought you were gonna say I remember you were once gonna do something something no, no, Navy no, Seals. No, I'm no, like, no, I no, wasn't. No, we, never ever 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 no, ever no, said no, that I, in my life. We, we did have an intern who. Claim went to Navy SEALs summer gonna, camp, yeah, Navy sleep SEAL. away camp, yeah, 3,000 push-ups a day that he could never <laughs> replicate in real life. Well, the best was after he described the several hours of concurrent exercise. We were like, I think that's about 34 hours he's described in a single day. So he's not good at math or lying. But um, I remember you did say you were sat with a bunch of dudes once um, as a Navy SEAL. <laughs> Uh, was describing some of the activities they've been getting oh, up to. Oh, no, no. So, oh, so I'll tell you about this. Yeah. <laughs> I I wasn't there. This was secondhand information, okay. but it was a uh, well-known guy in finance, 
had an annual thing and um, there was a Navy SEAL there. The guy who wrote the book, No Easy Day, um, pseudonym um, uh, Mark Owen. Mm -hmm. So he's the guy who took credit for um, killing bin Laden. And so apparently uh, Mark Owen, I think his name, real name is Matt Bissonette. So Bissonette was saying that and he's on SEAL Team 6, so they get the most intense shit. Like the really tough thing about being a SEAL is that you you never know when you're going to get called, right? So you're at home, you're socializing, you, know, you get a text, your phone rings, you're told, hey, be at the base in four hours, ready to deploy. And you leave your family and you don't know, where am I going? When am I coming back? Am I coming back? And he's just saying that that's mentally the hardest part. And this one guy who was there listening, finance dude, goes, yeah, that's a lot like trading. (laughs) (laughs) This this is such a douche-filled fucking industry. I mean, there are so many fucking douches in this industry. So many. Um, no, like we're no. not even close. Yeah, honestly, like, if you we're were not that even douchey, close. I would never we're thinking that a lot of the time that like I gotta this is get a, a better like... jet card to be a bigger <laughs> douche. Like it's you know it's embarrassing. You don't uh, even have that jet card anymore, do you? Eh. But you have some nice cufflinks. Oh, dude, that was the best ever. That was like peak VC. So. Carson signs up for the Uber jet card. Basically, what what was it called? That thing? Oh, Something. Oh, I can't I remember. remember what the fuck. Like wheels was. off or something. It, it was, so, it, so, so let's let's distinguish. Yeah. That's not a jet car. No, no, no. So, no. so like I have a jet car, no, but no. it's like okay. the, this was great. Like, this was like this is this is supposed to be. If there's room in the baggage area. You can go in, card. <laughs> no, no. Okay, you're getting it confused with something else. No, what this was, um, they operated private jet flight, or they operated a private jet, like a G four coast to coast. And so they said, yeah, we'll schedule these flights kind of based on demand. And we also have them regularly scheduled. And if there's seats available, then you can hop on, you pay, you know, one fee up front per year. I don't know, it's like $25,000 or something like that. And, and you get to fly in this private jet. And so I'm like, okay, you know, that, that might be cool. I'll try it. So I sign up and turns out the schedule sucks. Like there's never yeah that's right it's never when I want <laughs> like when so I want to travel and then it actually it's like got, got on there and you know I I had never flown like a, a G four or whatever and they actually don't have TV screens so you have to <laughs> you bring, bring your own, own you have to bring your own entertainment and then it's it's awkward because they'll assign you which seat you get but some people get assigned the couch and there's no table there and you know, right? you're kind of like really? and you're like sitting sideways the whole flight with no table if you're on that and it's just sliding into the person next to you and it's and it, it, occurred, awkward. it occurred to me it's basically just for millennials to take selfies on and post to social media like that's why that's the value you would get out of this it's like dude i'm flying private like and you know these are my friends like who the fuck are you dude like why am i in your picture um, well my favorite bit was uh 
when when the thing arrived, you get this. Was it like a gold card? Like a yeah, it wasn't made out of real gold, right. but it was yeah. like this metal card. I mean, like as if what, you're gonna, which had like, no purpose. But that's what tells you this thing was, was so pretend. Plastic. That's yeah. what tells you this thing was so pretend. Like this card that's supposed to look and then fancy. It got and you're the like, cufflinks. what am I cufflinks. Yeah, the cufflinks, like little airplane. Like, what the fuck do I? It's like once I got those, I knew I fucked up. Like honestly, I'm like. All right, this was a stupid fucking use of twenty five thousand dollars. So I basically got one one way. It's the most expensive one way trip I've ever taken in my life. You couldn't book the return either. You had to like get there and then book a one way on JetBlue back, right? Well, I did because they 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 just didn't fly at the time I wanted to fly. You need to get up at three thirty in the morning to get this five o'clock flight. (laughs) Remember to wear those cufflinks so they know. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. yeah. What about? I assume they went bust or uh, spat. One of the two. Same thing, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. They they would have made some people pretty wealthy if they had spat yeah. before going bust. True. So, um, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I th- it might be called something like Wheels Up, or or maybe that was one of the other well, ones. Not Wheels Up. <sighs> wheels <Yeah>. Off. <laughs> anyway. Um, so it's cool. Like we actually had an agenda to discuss and we're nowhere near it. Yeah, but that's, no. that's always a good sign. Yeah. Um, our first item is favorite news of 2022 or from 2022. Excuse me. It, it could be of 2022 okay. as well. It's not like being joined with as in conjoined. It's it, it's okay to use that preposition. It's unfair because there's such a clear winner here. Okay. What's the clear winner? The grandmother? The grandmother. I don't think you agree. Well, I was actually going to take kind of a serious approach. I know, you're way too serious. I'm taking a serious approach. I mean, I think that was, (laughs) I got to tell you, like... When I read that story, crying. I was crying I laughing. I, I know. Think, it like, was really good. That's okay. why I was like, hands okay. down, this is But it. if we change the criterion. Okay. Which news story of 2022 caused you to experience the most schadenfreude? I haven't had enough coffee for that. Um, really? Like that, that's, you need coffee to yeah, answer that fucking I, question? I, well, of the items that we've discussed no, on the or, podcast. Or things that we haven't discussed. Okay. Like what caused you to experience the most oh. shat? Because, I, I like, let's be honest, already, when you're in this business, you're yeah. a little bit in the business, but when you're in this really? business, emotionally you're in it for the schadenfreude. It, okay. it doesn't get bad. There's not a there's not an emotion yeah. that provides a more positive, like a serotonin boost. Um, I mean, f- for me, like one of the great things about the crypto blow up, which like immense amounts of Schadenfreude. There's a particular allocator who has like met with us a couple times, has zero interest. Um, was long a lot of Chinese garbage. And I did find out that they uh, <laughs> had a dedicated crypto fund. You know who I'm talking about. So like knowing that they were on the other side of pretty much every blow up that's happened <laughs> over the last at least five years. It warmed your heart. It was schadenfreude inducing. That, that, that was actually the part of the, the crypto thing that I kind of enjoyed, like knowing some of the people on the other side. All right. So I'm going to go for a triple play because okay. I'm going to talk about he was past, really present, future. Okay. Wow. So this will tie in. We know predi- he was preparing at this, 4 a.m. Oh, yeah. This will tie this in guy. predictions okay. with, you know. Uh, yeah, I guess I woke up at 4 a.m. because I was just nervous that didn't have shit to talk about. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, you were that nervous that. That wasn't, that wasn't it. 
Um, okay, I so steal your thunder. <laughs> steal my thunder every episode, man. Um, I mean, I used to do and that I don't intro. Get prepared? What? Oh, sure. <laughs> You're kidding. You don't get prepared. Come on, I can't. How hear. shocking is that? that? Yeah. Um, okay, so. My favorite news story, which we did talk about, and it actually happened on my birthday this past year, so it's even better, was the indictment of Bill Huang. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So for manipulating stocks, especially GSX, that fucking piece of shit, you know, like push that motherfucker up on us hard. Um, but the the breaking, so there's breaking news with this. I talked to somebody earlier this year um, after the indictment. But like pretty good source. And he told me, I went out, he's based in New York, said I went out for drinks with uh, some people and a salesperson from one of the banks that had done business with, uh, with Bill Huang showed up. And the salesperson is in equity derives. And the guy's telling me, he's like, yeah. So I immediately say, oh, hey, you know, Bill Huang. And the guy goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get asked about that all the time. He's actually one of my clients. It's like, whoa. And this is a youngish salesperson. Do you know, do you know this story? Not I think, I think no. he does, but oh. um, youngish salesperson doesn't realize the import of what he's about to say. I mean, he goes, you know, we're not actually that stupid that we, you know, we just gave this dude leverage for that kind of leverage for no reason. We noticed that when he would trade, shortly thereafter, accounts linked with China sovereign wealth money would trade the same names in the same direction. Ah, so it's like you're guaranteed not to lose maybe, or almost guaranteed. And see, that's some shit that hasn't been broken yet and I've been trying to feed that story to investigative reporters. You know, like I, I have the name of the potential source. I don't know that this person would talk, but, you know, I would, I mean, if anybody listening to this has more information on this, please contact me because I would love wow. to get this story out there. It's a big fucking, it's a huge, huge potential story. But I was also thinking, I was kind of wondering about the magnitude, like what kind of a backstop does that provide if you're trading in front of China sovereign money? And look, I'd heard years ago, I mean, I didn't need to hear this, but I talked to somebody back in 2011 was like, oh yeah, you know, the guys who control the state administration of foreign exchange FX, like those dudes are day trading, you know, US stocks all night, you know, during, during their shifts. So Definitely, there are back, you know, and clearly could be back, back enders there. But thinking about this, there was a story that actually just happened this month. So December 14th or 15th, DOJ indicted two dudes. One of them is um, head equity trader at a large asset manager, uh, TIAA. It's a subsidiary of Nuveen. And this other guy who's retired who used to be head equity trader at Sutro and Company, which was a San Fran-based brokerage. Um, so what was going on, what is alleged, is that these guys made at least $47 million in profit in six years trading with this, this guy in Oregon. His name is last name is Williams, Alan Williams. So Williams would place these trade orders right before 
uh, Nuveen or TIAA went into the market and, and placed similar orders or, you know, like short ahead of their, their long sales, buy ahead of their long buys. You know, and I mean, I was wondering, like, how much could you really make from that? Again, the SEC alleges at least 47 million in profit Jesus. from doing this in just six fucking years. Now, bringing that back to the Bill Huang thing, if that's in accurate information. So look, I mean, it's alleged at this point and they're, you know, not been able to confirm it. But in any event, like there's real money that can be made. But I suspect that there's more complicity than this. I read both the DOJ indictment and the SEC complaint, and it doesn't neither alleges that the traders on the TIA side traded aggressively in order to move the price of the stock. But now I'm thinking back and I was I was pointed to the story by a friend of mine who he used to be a sales trader during the dot com days and, and and thereafter. And we were sharing a little bit of sell side perspective because back then I was working with my father um, and, you know, and he was in institutional sales. And I mean, I remember his one, one of the largest asset managers on earth, like household name asset manager when they would buy stocks that he had recommendations, like buy recommendations on, they would buy the fuck out of it. And my father and I used to sit there and marvel at how bad they were at trading. Just, the, you know, these, this is actually a firm that is so large, it has dedicated traders who are separate from the PMs. Most of my father's clients, the PM is doing the trading. And so you could see a guy like that who has to bifurcate his duties, being kind of lazy and just, you know, being aggressive in buying or selling. But when you have dedicated traders, like what the fuck is their job other than to make sure you get the best pricing or the firm gets the best pricing? But they would buy the shit out of these things sometimes. So I'm telling that to my buddy who said, yeah, man, I used to see that too from some big clients. And he he was at a small broker you know, broker. And he told me like when this one story happened, he's like, look, it wasn't Goldman Sachs. It wasn't Morgan Stanley. And I got one dude with a big asset manager coming into me one day saying, I want to buy 42 million shares of Sun Microsystems. <laughs> like you would never, ever, ever, ever share that kind of size with a trader. So obviously he brought it to him wanting the guy to tell everybody, you know, and, and like front run it and push the stock. So I'm thinking that this scam of buy side guys who are trading for huge asset managers and they've got somebody on the outside who's like the rat hole and they're front running these orders. And the second leg that, like I said, that the DOJ and SEC complaint and indictment don't get into. But I bet there's deliberate, aggressive behavior by these traders to really move the stock prices because they have economics with somebody on the outside. I bet this has gone, goes back decades. Yeah. I bet it's wide fucking spread. Yeah. And yep. so prediction for 2023, I bet we see more of these prosecutions go down. Happen. Huh. So I'm tying with yeah. all this, I tie together past, oh. Bill Huang, present, the shit that just went down, and a prediction for 2023 that this is going wow. to be a big area. And the SEC supposedly detected it through, at least per their press release, their data analytics so I don't know. I mean, they've been bragging about that. They were at the Berkeley conference, yeah. you know, kind of bragging about it and assuming that that's not embellishment. Like, yeah, I mean, that might be a really powerful tool to start ferreting this shit out. And I bet a lot more shoes will drop in 2023 on that front. I mean, it, it doesn't shock me than a practice that 
illegal or aggressive be going on? Because I mean, it's it's quite well known that what a lot of um, you know buy side traders at these large houses. I mean, they they weren't paid a fortune, right? Typically, but it was. And there's like numerous books where this is detailed. It's it's quite well known. They'd be like, all right. I'm going to go to Switzerland for the weekend, take the wife away, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, and then on Monday morning, they just call the bank up and be like, look, uh, I ran up like 15 grand tab this weekend. Like, you're going to pick it up. Here's 3 million shares of XYZ to buy. Like, kind of, I got you worked out over the next few weeks, however the fuck you see fit. So in a culture where it's kind of everyone knows it's somewhat permissible to like behave like this and effectively direct flows to whoever's gonna cut you the best deal personally. Not a great leap to say like, well, you know, just a little step further here. I mean, I'm giving the same schmucky order to like whoever it is, may as well have my buddy front run it. I mean, geez, I'm not getting paid the same as everyone else around here. So you you can see how that like seeps in, Uh, wouldn't shock me. Yeah, but this guy wasn't living low key. The guy at um, TIA, his house in his primary residence in Idaho, Zillow's got it at valued at six million (laughs) dollars. And in the um, indictment, they're seeking forfeiture of these various real estate holdings. I mean, he's got residential real estate worth, I mean, probably, you know, 12 to 15 million in total, it seems. So, you know, the guy was, I mean, wasn't being like, (laughs) terribly low-key about about things here um but yeah it's 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 interesting it's also one of these other manifestations of um so i i also had recently because it's the it's the holidays i caught up with um guy who's a son of person who used to be the principal my father's where my father last worked when he worked at investment bank and it was a small investment bank uh mh meyerson and company um they were by number of stocks, they made markets and they were like the second largest market maker on NASDAQ in the in the 90s. They did the and Stratton Oakmont IPO. They did the Stratton Oakmont IPO. We, uh, to be clear, if anyone has a copy of that prospectus, we are on the lookout for that prospectus. I think that would be a nice collector's item. Yes, I, uh, I heard that somehow or another those were never available within Meyerson at the time of the IPO. <laughs> but, um, but in any event, it's... You know, and I, Meyerson did not operate on the level of Stratton Oakmont. I spent a few summers there. I mean, I don't think it was that level. It was a lot of fun, though. How I mean, many guys is, had vowels as the last oh, letter? This is the way these trading rooms used to be. <laughs> so it was we, cool. were like, you interning for them? Well, my father, my father was head of the institutional. Oh, my father okay. was the institutional department, <laughs> you know, both equity research and institutional sales. But... Um, yeah, I mean the it's trading a rooms global were global head. Yeah, yeah. the tra- the trading rooms were so fun back then, like in the '90s and earlier, right? It's like all these people just had high school diplomas. They were Italian, Irish, and Jews, and they would just scream at each other all day. And it was actually a really fun environment to be around. And so what ended up happening as Nasdaq basically, well, I think it was I don't know if it's Finra or the SEC forced spreads and comp- and commissions to compress. These guys couldn't compete. The industry consolidated. And this is, and this relates to what I was just talking about because on the surface, it's like, oh, okay, well, things are much more professional. Now we have this huge UBS trading room in Stamford, Connecticut, mm-hmm. and everybody works there has an MBA from a top school. It's none of these, you know, like Irish guys like losing their shit, you know, and, you know, just had like GEDs or something. And 
you know, we have an HR department. So when somebody grabs ass, like, you know, there's a little bit of a, you know, paper trail here about that. Okay, great. You got, you, you made it professional. You almost took down the whole global fucking financial system mm. through this consolidation. And it's so, it might seem cleaner, but it wasn't. And so now when we look at this story here with large asset managers, well, what I think is a story, it's like, yeah, there's so many reasons why consolidation in the asset management industry is unhealthy for markets. And, you know, but at the SEC, they just keep piling on more, you know, regulations and shit. I mean, one of my predictions for 2023 is that we're going to have to start doing quarterly attestations on like crypto, you know, so like add two or three like boxes that we'll have to tick every fucking quarter on that for no reason. But all of that shit helps drive the consolidation. And so on the surface, the asset management business seems to be more professional and has this sheen. Like we are like the MH Meyersons of the asset management business. All right. Like that's kind of where we are. And we are (laughs) definitely outliers in terms of appearance. And everybody wants to seem buttoned down and professional. But there's some real fucking filth, like serious fucking filth beneath the surface. And as I said, I bet that what we see with that TIA guy is pretty widespread among traders at mega asset managers. So I want to pick up on something you said. I don't think anyone that's Swiss at a Swiss bank grabs us. I think maybe it's a pinch, like a little bit. <laughs> like, oh yeah, as the secretary, I'm pinching us. Woo. Like that's that's totally how I can see it. Um, I think within that and, and where my prediction for the future is going within the crypto blow up, I think finally the sheen is off venture capital. Um, except for Tiger Global, who I'm sure is still just piling into that shit. I knew you were going to have um, to mention them. But no, seriously, I think the... Well, they're one of the great stories of 2022, <laughs> yes. right? Um, I think the sheen is really off venture capital. I think, whereas previously it really was a cottage industry, it's actually, by size, massively ballooned over the last sort of three to five years because those are the vintages where people have raised the largest funds you know guys who were previously raising 500 maybe a billion dollar just supersized the fuck out of it some i think it was to compete because they realized the game had changed from softbank and tiger um writing much larger checks much faster with less supervision and some i think they were just fucking greedy and like you know this seems stupid but hey, if we raise a $3 billion fund and we're charging 2% on that, it's going to be several hundred million before anyone works out if this was the dumbest idea ever. So, And yeah. those dudes have all moved on to different allocator chairs. Exactly. So who fucking cares? Like, it's a long tail, Exactly. you know, like, yeah, liability there. So I think what will be interesting if the SEC and DOJ really want to get into crypto and they realize that, you know, the practices they see at FTX, whether it's owning a tiny bit of a shit coin and marketing up or, you know, rampantly promoting these things and then puking it on retail, like behavior that within listed equity markets would just be a slam dunk fucking pump and dump case. I think if they get under the hood of some of these VCs and they really have the appetite to do it, I think we're going to see some pretty significant security manipulation cases amongst the VC community. Now, whether they have the appetite to do that and and to get into those places, I don't know, but I suspect if they do, 
and we start to see some subpoenas amongst you know the most blue chip well-heeled vc guys on the block i think that could really change landscape and and i see that as a boom in compliance box ticking software for 2023 and beyond so if you are looking for a potential area of growth in vc it's uh, software for vcs to do box checking i think uh that'll be a massive growth area as they're all like clicking, like, did you manipulate any uh, crypto this quarter? No, we did not. You know what? I, I think it would be great to create a pure play company um, that just does box ticking software across all industries. So you could go to all of these different companies that own, you know, that, that own software packages mm-hmm. that do some of that, try to spin those out into one vehicle and like the box ticking industry. This industry is the growth industry for as far as the eye can see, basically. Especially, and it's counter cyclical too, because the more things take a shit, the more call there is to like, you know, regulators do something about it. So the more boxes that get created that have to be ticked. So I I wanna do this. Like I I wanna consolidate the box ticking industry. I can go one better. So you've got all these shitty delivery companies that are losing a fortune delivering food to you because it's a structurally unprofitable business. We just add onto the existing infrastructure box ticking. They actually now will deliver a box to your office and you tick it. And then they're like, oh, and by the way, like here's your food. So like you can massively overcharge because it's now like a corporate compliance well, cost. Especially because there's no, like none of these boxes would be delivered just one by one. I mean, right. You know, like we're on a quarterly basis. I feel like we get about like 25 boxes we have to tick, right. you know, per person more or less. And so, you know, if we expand that to crypto, it'll go to 30 Dude. boxes. You can ESG. make these big boxes, big trucks, electric trucks to make it green. ESG element to this as well. You take all the boxes from Christmas and the presents you just unwrapped and opened, and you just recycle the boxes straight into box ticking. Speaking of which, I was over at some friends last night and they had a phenomenal idea for how to make children be more compliant. Now, you have kids. <laughs> compliant, I, compliant as in ticking yeah, boxes? Just or, generally. Or so, listening to parents? So listening to parents. So... Okay. Um, they, they were sitting and I was like, wow, guys, like they, they had one present left around the tree. And I was like, oh, like, who's that for? Someone who didn't show up. They're like, no, no, that's like, that was just like an empty box that we just kind of wrapped because like we had a bit of space, whatever. I'm like, oh, okay. And they're like, you know, I've had a really good idea. What if every year you have one present under the tree and you wrap it in, say, blue, and you know that the blue wrapped present is an empty mm-hmm. box? And when your kids are misbehaving, you're like, right, that's it. I'm throwing your presents in the fire. And you just take the one that you know (laughs) is an empty box and you throw it in the fire and you do it one fucking time just to show them that like you are prepared to go. And they're like, no, like they're absolutely devastated. They think you took a real present and threw it in the fire. I think that's that's, dope parenting. That's that's pretty good. I thought it was, I thought you were going to... You say, okay, here's this present from Santa, and they open it up, and it's empty. And then you're supposed to say, well, at least it wasn't coal. (laughs) Now, think about throwing a coal-laden box into the fire. (laughs) 
And like it explodes. Yeah, but <laughs> that a, would be great. An empty box, dude. How, so how I'm, I, I don't understand why did they have an empty box on the tree? Because there was just, just. I mean, just just to like aesthetic. Like, yeah, aesthetic. Reasons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, un huh. unclear why it was just the one empty box. Like they were like, ah, this would be perfectly except for one empty box. But I think it's a great fucking idea. I mean, I think you have a lot of scarred children. There was a lot of debate as to what age would be best because. Would they remember it at five? Maybe not. Seven, they've definitely got well-formed memories. I feel like they would remember it at five. Okay. Yeah. We, we thought peak Christmas for kids was probably about like six to seven mm. before they're starting to get a little skeptical and realize that. You know what's, what's funny? It's like no matter how many Santa boxes they, you know, they unwrap or Santa like presents they unwrap and they see Amazon boxes. <laughs> It doesn't click. <laughs> or maybe it's just like growing up as a kid this age. Like it's a world so dominated by Amazon that, well, yeah. 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 Of course, Santa, Santa's, you know, elves just like wrap Amazon packages. And it's probably who drove the fucking truck here, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyway. But, but okay. So, well, speaking of great ideas, though, I mean, where I wanted to go, but okay. it's a great story, but where I wanted to pick up from the box ticking business is business that we conceived of during our uh, our holiday party that is, I think it'd be great, great business, software business. It's an app. Did we discuss this at our holiday party? Spotter, we did. Krista. It's called, the app is going to be called oh, Spotter. Spotter. That's why I was like, what? Oh, I don't remember. I don't think I was, what? Uh, she was well, you were there. You were participating <laughs> in conversation. Yeah. You just, you just, fucked just, up. just another. <laughs> Another self-imposed memory wipe. <laughs> you would have had a better time if you remembered this. Yeah. Okay. So this came about because it's rumored that Gordon Ramsay didn't really try to kill himself, that it was autoerotic asphyxiation. No, not Gordon Ramsay. Wait, um, oh, Anthony Bourdain. Bourdain. I was like, oh. what? Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't watch any of those shows. Um, like Gordon Ramsay tried to kill himself. Okay. <laughs> well, he's into autoerotic asphyxiation too. Just more successful. That makes sense. Well, you know, um, hasn't yet failed. You know, oh, you're successful until you're not. Anthony, what's his name? Anthony, Anthony Bourdain. Bourdain. Okay. Right. That okay. That he. That it was actually like An the rumor is that he yeah jerked himself to death, and so that of course brought up Michael Hutchins of mm -hmm. In Excess, mm -hmm. who. You know, apparently that's why he died was... Lord Screaming Such. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, like... Head you know, of the Monster Raving Looney Party in the UK. Yeah, it's... Uh, I have no idea what that means. But I'm just <laughs> but I'm just picturing the sadness of this dying alone in a hotel room. Yeah. You haven't come yet. So I guess you, you know, can't get yourself down and you're hanging. And, you know, maybe that last millisecond, there's like a realization that... This was a this bad, was a bad idea. idea. Nobody should have to asphyxiate themselves for an orgasm alone. Okay, I'm sure there would be <laughs> a community <laughs> of people out there who are into this. Right. If they could actually bring themselves to admit that they're right. into this. So, spotter. You want to you do this, but you need somebody to help. You need a spotter. You, you need, need somebody, a spotter. You need right. somebody who's going to who revive you. this? I think it was like a combination because, uh, well, like we were talking about how, like you know, you're you're in the gym. It was like, it was like a hive mind yeah. thing, you know, like we're all going and you were part of this conversation too, right? Because it's like I think so. Yeah, you are. Did it's I add like, you know, The problem is, it's like you know, you're did in the you gym, add anything? right? Yeah, and you're benching, and you want to like max out, but like you don't have a spotter. It's dangerous. Okay, 
This is the dangerous. same thing. You want yeah. to max out. This is really dangerous. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, it, right. And you don't want to, and you don't want to have to reset, like, you know, because you're a little conservative. You know, the whole thing is like supposed to, reminds me of that movie Flatliners from the 80s when they wanted to see what it was like movie, when they yeah. died. Yeah. You know, like how long could you have your heart stop before the yeah. was med students? Um, it was probably really a proxy for autoerotic asphyxiation right but anyway that i think is i think that's shit hot man 2023 spotter well, so the and the idea is uh you know i guess a bunch of questions because it, it has some similar social elements to Puba, which was an earlier still <laughs> unfunded chase coleman if you're listening brilliant idea we had in the, i mean uh, all we had to do was send a business plan like they were you know they were just like shooting I, money I, out of a cannon at every I'm business tell plan you, about a year ago i don't even think you had to send a business plan i just think you had to send a body along that was like in its 20s and be like i would like money um but i love the idea of i mean you know chase coleman could identify with like not wanting to take a shit in a public restroom 100 like, percent. like this guy would i get it yeah that guy would keep his shit tight no doubt um but yeah i love the idea of like you know turn up uh, oh you my spotter's arrived and, you know, you're ready with your trousers off and you're just going through like, oh, do I want a clementine or a mandarin today? What am I going? An orange? Well, that's, that's good. Uh, that's good. Yeah, I like that. Mm, let's go for it. You've, you've got your ligature all picked out, like nicely kind of open the closet and you've got like a bunch of women's stockings hanging up, just working out what you're going to use. So, um, yeah, I like the idea. Maybe the spotter turns up with some oranges. If you're out, you're like, oh yeah, bro. If you could pick me up some oranges on the way, that'd be that'd well, be awesome. It would be great. Like awesome. if if you're traveling, and so they can show up with like a little step ladder, you know, or true. Um, yeah, they yeah. should definitely show up with a step ladder. Mm. And it makes it more ESG compliant, right? Because it's safety. Really checking that box. Yeah, yeah. Huh. I mean, if you know, maybe maybe if we you know if we really marketed this to the you know the the bipoc community it would also be uh you know we'd tick that box as well true i bet sbf would have funded this shit if we'd have got to him in time i mean i don't know if you saw the the ft did a really good piece on the 50 or so investments that they made oh my god it was like such a load of dog shit i mean obviously tiger global but, but, in like every round co-investing but, but, but there would have had to have been a coin right so you'd have to call it like the spot coin or something that's nah, fine we'd have got out before uh it collapsed it would have been awesome oh that's what everybody in that business thinks that's get true. out before that's nah, a lot of believers in that business sorry that's i meant in the uh autoerotic oh. <laughs> <laughs> get out before this collapse uh yeah all right well i, I don't know i think yeah, that kind of caps the year right yeah, is anything else so. worth discussing no. this year um i don't know those last two items were yours i think or no were yours yeah oh well a great story from 2022 that we didn't touch on but um apparently putin fell down some stairs a few weeks ago because oh, yeah. he's yes. uh well you know some might say he's quite <laughs> ill, but others might say that somebody else was at fault. And badly so, what, designed staircase. Right, badly designed staircase. So apparently when Putin fell, um, due to somebody else's negligence, he shit himself. 
So I, I got to tell you, it was you, probably a bad day for you, yeah. Craig, when that happened. That probably like guaranteed some more missile Carpet strikes. Bombing. Yeah. yeah, totally. That fucking guy. I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm not sure this time next year he's still in power, and I assume that means he's no longer with us because it seems like whatever ailments he has are going downhill quite fast and. If that's really fucking with his head, which it seems to be quite clearly, including all the paranoia, I don't think the uh, what's it the, the chef they call that guy who uh, like Putin's chef, the guy who oh the the Kremlin caterer who the run, Kremlin caterer who yeah. runs the uh, the Wagner Group. Yeah, I don't think that guy's like waiting around while Putin fucks things up worse, and like whoever's sitting underneath Putin's a pretty bad dude. So I I got to assume like he's gonna get pushed. I, I think before the years out, that's that's my. Uh, Do you think Putin? Uh, so that with that paranoia you touched on, he's got that mm-hmm. like fifty yard long conference table, so nobody can come sit near him. Do you think he starts avoiding all staircases now? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he, he turns his dasher into a bungalow. So I, I got to tell you, I, I think the logical off ramp for him, if you look at someone else who's been pushed out of like a very prestigious role recently, Prince Harry. I think Putin's doing a Netflix special sat in Montecito, just being like, yes, uh, they really didn't care for my mental health. All that torture and the uh, stealing and having to uh, be despotic for years, it was really playing with my mental health. So I, I feel like, you know, and I really couldn't talk to anyone. I mean, my father, I had him killed. Uh, my mother, I had her killed. My ex-wife, I had her. Everyone around me was, I had to have killed. My uh, therapist, I had killed. So um, I was really isolated and uh, things were very, very tough for me. I can totally see him like sitting in Montecito, Oprah being like, you know, was there a time where you thought of reconciliation? No, I had them all killed. What are you talking about? Like, yeah, so I, I think... Um, the last one to go, his true confidant, was his carpenter. <laughs> and his suit maker. So, yeah, that's that's where I see it cruising into for him. A Netflix special with Oprah um, in Montecito. With, that would be uh, awesome. That'd be, that'd, be that'd be really... That'd be a really good get. If she could get that interview, I think that would take her to the next level. Oh, Oprah will get it. Yeah. For sure. So that's uh, that's the final prediction for 2023. Putin phase out with uh, the Oprah interview. Oh, and you know... I did make a, a second half of the year inflation prediction um, oh, you did? about halfway through the year. Yeah. I talked about uh, what we had modeled uh, second half of the year inflation to be. When? I mean, oh, when Hugh Hendry was on. We thought we had No, to... no, no. It was, bo- it was, it was before, before that. It might have been when, uh, when Soren was on. Because I remember asking him what they had modeled for um, inflation in Japan and being very disappointed that they hadn't built such a model. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, yeah. So anyway, I, I guess in once those numbers come out the, for December, we can revisit it and see if my pulling shit out of my ass to be funny um, at, or try to be funny well, anyway, at that moment actually was kind of close to the mark. Okay. So there you have it, guys. That's all you need to know for 2023. That's it. Christy, you want to take us out? No, I hate when you say that. I don't. I don't want to. I don't. That's all you. I do the intro. He doesn't which mean is like so... Putin. Just no. <laughs> 
Means more like Take you know out. No, the style of Vladimir Putin. I don't uh, like that's, like I, when you're driving your car with like the dog in the backseat. Intro, so I definitely can't end us. Take well. us out in the style of Vladimir Putin. Um, I don't, I don't know. About you know, no. thank you to everybody. No. Best thank wishes you. for the. Well, wait oh, yeah. till wait till I'm done. <laughs> you can. I think no. you'll be able to remember because we'll cut this. I will best, best best wishes for the new year. No. Best wishes for the new year. Thank you for watching. Thank you so much for watching all our millions of viewers. And when I say millions, I mean 17 viewers. Um, although I think our numbers are... Based on your DMs, yeah. We've I'm got just, about 17, got 17 viewers in the 60 to 150 year <laughs> demographic, man. All like, the guys that they're like in their 70s, 80s that DM me. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, that is, hey, you, you, you do have the five handle. That. You do have the five handle. It is just what saying, it is. I'm just saying. Anyway, thanks again, everybody, for watching. I'm your hostess, Krista DeLuca. And, and so let's let's fail and set sail into the new year. Yep. Like a, Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.